And so I spent some time in, in prayer and in process of getting very silent and very still with all of those senses that come from our eyes. And I just quieted my mind so that I could turn the volume down on that mind chatter. Well, hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Today, I'm really excited to share with you another guest. This is Tiffany Falvey, and Tiffany has a unique story. Like me, she is a coach. She works with individuals and businesses, but I think when you meet Tiffany, you'll find that she brings just a little something extra from her own life experience that colors how she looks at the world, how she finds humor in some things, and also how she's been touched on a really deep level. So Tiffany, um, why don't you give us a better introduction to you about who you are, where you came from, and then we'll just dive into our podcast. Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me here with you. It's, it's uh, fun to be able to tell a story that's your personal story and be able to have other people join in and be able to take parts of that story and perhaps identify with it or utilize it as they see fit for their world. I'm a Southern California girl, born there, uh, was raised there for the first 10 years of my life, and then I moved to Southern Oregon. So I was able to have a contrast of like the beachy sun experience, and then I went into the mountains and just had a really cool contrast of experiences. Like most girls, I dreamed of growing up and getting married and having children and exploring a career and just had a lot of dreaming going on in my world. And as I aged, I watched each dream unfold in front of me just as I showed up each day for life, whether that was for college or for a, you know triathlon or whatever it was that I was showing up for that day. And I met met a man, and I fell in love, and we had a child. And that child was absolutely the love of my life. I didn't realize that anyone could have um, that love experience that's so different than romantic. Because as a child, you only understand, you know, you fantasize about that romantic love, and then you fantasize about being loved by your parents. So those are the two loves that we understand as children. And so when I had my first child, I couldn't imagine loving another child any more than I loved that first child. And I was actually somewhat nervous about it through my pregnancy. I thought, how is that even possible? You know, as you're holding your firstborn. And then my secondborn came into the world and I realized that my heart literally like quadrupled the amount of love that it was producing. And I fell just crazy in love with my secondborn. And then I was really in the process of, of raising a family and loving my husband. And we had four kids at that point because when I met him, he had had two kids from a previous marriage and had lost his wife very tragically. So it was just me and the two boys and the two girls. And he said, I think our family is big enough. I think we have a great size family and I'm going to go have a vasectomy and we're going to, you know, move forward. Well, immediately after that, about two weeks after that, I found out I was pregnant with my third son. 
and they gave me a due date of Halloween. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, those little arbitrary numbers that they tick on the little wheel when you go to the doctor. I probably will never have a baby on a due date and especially Halloween, kind of a funny date to have a baby. And sure enough, this little boy came into my world on Halloween. He came in, his Apgar scores were all perfect and he was beautiful, but he cried. He cried and he cried and he never stopped crying. And I was very calm because it was my third, third child. So I just thought, that's fine. You know, he's just fussy. And plus we had a very big family. Well, three months after giving birth, to North, we named him North. Three months after giving birth to him, he started having seizures and we took him to the hospital. And after a very long story that I'm going to condense, we found out that I had contracted a virus in my third month, or it was anywhere from the third to the sixth month of pregnancy that is called cytomegalovirus, otherwise known as CMV. And it really just damaged North's little brain to such a degree that he is blind and he's tube fed and he's what some people call a pillow angel. So he's just is really cute. He's he's old. He's much older now. So he is almost 13. So he's a really big boy. And he, you know, he's never rolled over. He just kind of lays there and he occupies that spiritual section of of his essence and his presence, but he doesn't occupy the brain section, which would be that mental space, the mind space, and he doesn't occupy the physical space. And so that when he was born, I can sugarcoat it and I can tell all of your listeners that it was very easy and it wasn't easy. It was absolutely tragic. I was just heartbroken in that moment because I didn't have a file folder for how to understand what was happening because with every person I'd met from the time I was born until now, you would have a meeting of the mind, right? And a meeting of the physical presence and a meeting of the soul. And here I was somewhat handicapped and paralyzed in being able to connect with my son. And so I spent some time in, in prayer and in process of getting very silent and very still with all of those senses that come from our eyes. And I just quieted my mind so that I could turn the volume down on that mind chatter. And I started to listen to what his little soul was telling me and what his purpose was. And I, I realized very humbly that I was meant to learn from this little master teacher that had come into my world. And so I started learning from him what it was that he wanted to teach me. And what I learned was that my whole life I'd invested so much in my physical world. I was a gymnast and my family is, is I have a long line of people that are, have this amazing athletic prowess. And when you strip that away, you really have to do a lot of soul searching on who you are without that, that essence. Who are you without the physical essence? Because that's a treat. It's a luxury to be able to use your physical essence, to be able to maneuver around this wonderful world that we all play in. And then also the mind, you know, the mind is another thing that we forget about. That's a luxury as well, to be able to have a quick processing mind that can, you know, think for traffic lights ahead or situations ahead and be able to process that in a healthy way. So with North, I was given the gift to be able to see people in a different way 
And for a while, it was somewhat crippling because I couldn't see the outward, which is very valuable. So I want I want you to understand, I know how valuable it is to take all those cues from what you see on the outside appearances of someone. But if that is the overwhelming predominant thing that your mind's absorbing, then you're missing out on not just the things that are coming in for your own growth and transformation, but also so that you can facilitate other people's growth and transformation. And I think ultimately, if I were to jump ahead a little bit, Success in general for all of us is really based on how we can utilize our gifts in order to help another. And that's so big because if you don't know what your gifts are, how can you possibly help another? And if you can't help another, how can you possibly feel fulfilled in your heart for what it is that you're here to do? It's like we each have this little basket. I picture, you know, a little girl with this basket full of either daisies or eggs or something because we all have something different there there are no two guests that are are the same and so north really was able to give me that gift to recognize what i was here to do and why i so badly wanted to do it and i think for me it was just being able to see the world in a way that is full of opportunity and full of gifts and full of experiences without judging the experience. So without saying, you know, this flavor isn't my favorite flavor, but rather just saying, wow, this is a flavor and it's maybe salty or maybe it's sweet and salty or maybe it's spicy. But prior to North, I had file folders for everything. I was very kind of OCD and type A in my mind. And it it really dissipated after I had him and allowed me to see the path, not only for myself, but also for those that came into my realm, you know, and were partnering with me on a friendship level or an emotional level and any type of relationship level. I was able to help them unearth and excavate what their gifts were beyond the things that they had grown up identifying with, because often we're looking through the mirror of the way our parents see us, view us, our family, or even our teachers. And so a lot of us, I found in the you know, 30s and 40s, we realized that the career we're in isn't fulfilling like we wanted it to be or that we dreamed it would be. And sometimes people come to the conclusion that that's how the design is. That's the design. You go to work and you suffer through the work day and you have the weekend. And I personally, I don't subscribe to that. I think that every single day is an opportunity to enjoy your weekend. So today is like happy weekend day. And I'm on the phone here with Sarah. <laughs> I know, isn't it great? It is. It is happy yeah. weekend day. My, I had, uh, my husband asked me, he says, do you ever not work? And I, I says, no, I'm always, because for me, it feels like play. You know, I'm thinking about it or I'm looking at people and I'm wondering, you know, and learning whatever. But I love that you, you know, every day is kind of a happy weekend day because it it can be and it should be. I'm curious because you just shared a whole bunch of information, Tiffany. And I'm curious now how you take that very close connection you have with North in ways of communicating and learning from him as your master teacher and how then you are able to use that more. So I'm asking you to explain kind of in more concrete terms how you would turn and use that to help someone else. So, for instance, let's just say I'm you're working with me. How would you help me understand 
how to um, maybe think about things differently or experience things from what you've learned from North and how you now experience and observe? Well, the first thing I would do is I would find out where the pain point is, like where it doesn't, you know, when you were little, you would have those pictures that would have a chicken and then an egg and you'd have to draw the line between the chicken and the egg. Well, when we have a pain point, it's because we don't understand and we can't draw a correlation between the experience that's right in front of us, like in a divorce, let's say a divorce. So someone comes to me and, and they're going through a divorce and they really don't want the divorce. They don't want the divorce. But it, it almost feels like the divine is drawing a line between you and another experience. I won't even call it a divorce. Just between you and another experience. That contract has been fulfilled. And so for me, I had I had married a vision of what my life would be like. And the day I had Norris, I started going through a divorce and it was really painful And so when I help people, I help them to see what they're married to right now and how perhaps they're being inspired to allow the contract to be expanded. You know, in a lot of businesses, partners will sit down periodically and they talk about how they want to expand the business. And sometimes people decide that they don't want to expand the business and they move on. And then other times the business just expands. Well, we're all kind of in the business of expansion both personally and, you know, some of us professionally. But in the work that I do, you have to really look at the contracts that you've made for your time here on earth. And when they come up for renewal, you'll know it because you're going to feel something. You will feel something inside. And normally it feels scary and it feels uncomfortable and it feels vulnerable and it can feel painful. It can feel devastating. And that is my sweet spot. That When those emotions come up, I celebrate somewhat because that is where the, the lock starts to unhinge and it opens up so many possibilities that many people, often people never even open the safe. You know, they're, they're, they're living with this massive Fort Knox safe and they have all these experiences that, that happen over and over in their lifetime that allow that little click, you know, right before the lock opens, but they, they don't recognize that that opportunity is on, the, is on the other side of that. And so that is probably what I have bookmarked or rather anchored because I very well know what it feels like to be scared, very, very scared and to have no understanding of how I'm going to move forward in life or how my family is going to move forward in life or how any of us are going to move forward in life. And I was able to take that experience and that fear and all of the emotions that are associated with that and open, open that a little bit at first. Of course, I didn't want to run through the door. I just wanted to peek just to see what was on the other side of that door. And then I slowly pushed it open a little more and I started to come out and see what life would be like on the other side of that door. And it wasn't easy in the beginning, but it's almost like a brand new job you go to a brand new job and you're exhausted every night and the job isn't hard but it's exhausting because you haven't done this job before and the only way that we can keep expanding and I'm kind of making it sound professional but it's also from a personal soul level is to keep going to that quote-unquote job that we are aspiring to so if it's you know we want to earn more money then we have to open our mind 
to the reality that it may be tough in the beginning and it may be exhausting in the beginning. And we may have to do a lot of different things that we hadn't expected. I had to learn how to run a feeding tube. I had to learn how to essentially be a nurse. I had to learn how to monitor seizures. I had to learn so many different things. I mean, a perfect example is my sons one day, they were two and four and North was, you know, like one. And I had three under the age of three for a while. And they had gotten their hands on some Hubba Bubba bubble gum. And they had decided that Northy would definitely like bubble gum. Why wouldn't he? But he was poop fed, so he didn't eat anything by mouth. And so I'm cooking dinner for my family. And I look over and North's like kind of choking in this weird way. And he's turning blue. And of course, I like panic and I sprint over. And, I'm, and I don't know what's wrong because there's a plethora of things that could be wrong with North in any given moment. And so I, I open his mouth and I see this like kind of skin colored thing, which was the gum. It was all flattened and like half of it had, he had like swelled and swelled and swelled down his throat. So it was like a, a long, smooth like string down his, his throat. So I start pulling it out and I look and I'm panicked. Right? I'm sweating, like wiping sweat off my forehead. And I look over at the boys and I go, boys, can you help me understand why North might be eating hubba bubba? And they said, well, mommy, of course, North would love Bubba Bubba, and you had never given him any. And I thought, well, yeah, of course, of course, that's what North would love. And so I just thought that that was an opportunity for them to have a brand new experience and for me to teach it and for North to be able to show me that there, there's always going to be the opportunity for life and for death in every single moment. And sometimes it's the people that are near us that are the ones that are going to save us and not save us, but build us up and give us that little tiny piece of information that we need to help us open that door of infinite possibilities. We can't do it on our own. The kids, you know, the kids can't do it on their own. We can't do it on our own. Our infants can't do it on our own. Certainly our pets and our animals can't do it on our own. So the sooner that we recognize that we're all here to work together with all of our uniqueness, the sooner that we can all really grow together and expand together and allow some of that fear that we have to dissipate. Because when we carry a load together, like when we're carrying a couch out to the moving van, if we have four people carrying it, it sure feels a lot easier. As a matter of fact, sometimes it does feel downright easy and you can't believe that the couch is even heavy. But when you wind up having one or two people trying to schlep that couch out the door in the really uncomfortable way, it's tough and it's hard. And sometimes it takes a long time and sometimes people give up. And it, it, it takes a village to grow. It's really hard to grow on your own. If you were on a secluded island and you didn't have anyone triggering you or pushing your buttons or loving you or leaving you, or getting angry with you, or frustrated with you, or causing you to feel guilt, or you causing someone else to feel guilt, you just wouldn't have the richness of experience that allows you to see the reflection of who you really are. And actually, this is a great segue. I just went to a family reunion just this last week. I was in um, Long Beach area, and I went to this great family reunion. I was with my sister, and we were driving. We were in typical LA traffic. And I said, you know what I love so much about family reunions is that you know you're going to be triggered. You know you're going to be triggered many, many times when you're around a large group of family. And I said, it's like being able to polish the most beautiful gem in the world because without being triggered, you can't polish yourself. You can't have the ability to even see who you are. 
so they're like these people are these amazing mirrors reflecting to us like north was reflecting to me in all the areas that i was handicapped and here i thought i was some rock star literally i grew up thinking oh wow i'm so great at cartwheels and i can do this 10 second handstand and i'm so great in school and i realized literally in that moment it took that long it took i don't know how old i was 32 it took 30 30 years for me to realize that i really wanted and desired help in seeing where my inadequacies are and my handicaps were because all of my strengths were on the other side of the handicap, every single one. So if I couldn't see the handicap, there was no way I could ever see the strength. And if I refused to see the handicap within North, I wasn't going to be able to see the beauty of, of why he was here on the planet and why he was here in my life and why he was here in my children's lives. And that's really been the inspiration for me is to be able to go towards the handicap or go towards the fear and you hear it all the time I mean, people write books about this all the time they talk about it all the time but to really do it is different than talking about it to really go through it is very different to really you know go through a divorce that maybe you asked for maybe you didn't ask for with the same grace and dignity that you entered that marriage with that's that's a pretty big deal and the only way you can do that is to let go of the fear of what will happen after and really gravitate towards the excitement of what's going to be coming ahead. And I know it sounds cliche, but I've lived it and I live it every single day. And I get to have a front row seat as I sit back and watch other people live it. And to me, that's so exciting. And it's exciting for everyone, really, once you get to a space where fear is no longer crippling, fear is something that is absolutely the, the gasoline that gets you from A to B. It's, it's, it's necessary. I love that. Without oversimplifying, because I was going to ask you what you thought the biggest when you were doing the picture of the lock, right, on the vault and, um, and getting yeah. there and people stop before they actually get it open or hear it open. Um, if there was one or two common obstacles you hear people say, but as I listen to you speak, I'm wondering if you would say that it most often boils down to some sort of fear or perhaps not seeing the link between where they are and what's in front. What stops people from wanting to peek? So sometimes it's not the want. Um, I was working with this great gal this morning and she was talking about how anxiety would creep up in her life. And so I said, give me some examples. So she started giving me some examples of how she would think about something like a meeting that was going to be coming up or a conversation she was going to have with her husband. And I said, well, but none of those things have actually happened. And so my solution to that for, for myself and for everyone is I say, okay, so I totally bomb the meeting. What's the worst thing that will happen? probably nothing, nothing will happen. I will laugh. So I have to let the pendulum swing all the way to the other side with every experience. And once it swings to the other side, like I remember when I went through my divorce, I said to myself, I would rather live in a cardboard box, like a Maytag box and ever be without my children. And then, and then instantly my mind went to, but Tiff, so many people love you. You have so many couches that you and your kids could sleep on. So you'd probably never have to be in the Maytag box. And so now I'd instantly risen from the Maytag box to couches. And I was so happy with couches. I thought, oh my gosh, I could totally live in couches. That would be absolutely awesome. And then I went from, oh, you know what? You probably wouldn't even have to live on a couch. You have like 10 people that would 
how do you go live in their guest rooms? Now, here's the funny thing. I never wound up living on a couch or a guest room or any of that. I wound up living in my own home with my boys and having a great life. But if I had allowed myself to really stay in that fearful, anxious state, it would have just produced more. It's almost like you're, you know, pregnant with these thoughts. And if you keep giving birth to these fearful thoughts, it's really hard to create something totally different. And so you have to start with what it is that you're conceiving and what you're conceiving is possibility. So if you're conceiving possibility, you have to stop it like right, right as it happens and you just have to let it go. Whatever that fearful thought is, let it go. Let the pendulum swing all the way to like worst, worst, worst case scenario and then laugh it off because most of us realize that kind of sets us, sets our brain back into reality that you're probably not going to go to worst case scenario. Like you're, you're probably, if you accidentally walked out of the store and you have a pair of, you know, this experience happened to me about 15 years ago. I was shopping at the mall and one of my kids, my boys grabbed a thing of lipstick out of Victoria's Secret and, and we didn't know that he had it. And we're out shopping around and we realize about a half hour later that he's sitting there cheating on this Victoria's <laughs> Secret like lip gloss. And I instantly thought, I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail. Like I looked over my shoulder like the police were going to come arrest me any second. And it was like one of the most hideous colors of lipstick. It was funny that he picked one that I'm like kind of a natural girl. But he picked like this bright orange color lipstick. And instantly I was like, I can't, I can't believe I'm going to go to jail over this. I'm going to lose my child. And then I was like, that's silly. That's kind of a silly thought. And I walked back to the store and I said, I'm so sorry. And it's covered in slobber, but it still has the plastic on it. And here's your lip gloss pack. And they go, oh, thank you so much. And that's a really small example of how we can really start constricting ourselves. But it happens every day to most of us. You know, it we does. worry that we're not going to find love or we're, we're worried that we're not going to ever have that career that really feels amazing to us. Like we're making a difference on the planet. We just feel like we're going to have to go and go into the grind every single day. But let's say that you're in a grind job and I don't even know what a grind job would be, but let's say we're in a job where we just feel like we're doing the same thing every single day. Well, I once had a job packing chocolate for a company where you just put the chocolates in the little thing every single day. And that was kind of a grind job. But I remember one day saying, you know what, this doesn't have to be a grind job. They give us free chocolate every single time that one is like damaged. That's an awesome part of this job. And then I said, guess what? Because they give us free chocolates, I'm going to wrap them up and I'm going to give each one to all of my friends that I have. And I became the coolest girl ever. I mean, everyone wanted to hang out with me because I had these Harry and David most amazing truffles ever. And I was giving them away and they were free to me. And so it turned out that it wasn't a grind job anymore. It was like the most satisfying job that, I mean, I look back on it. I'm like, I go back to that job tomorrow. That was really fun. I was the chocolate girl. Well, and it, what was great was that you took something and saw its possibility and then passed it on, which sounds like that's a theme within kind of your life. You talked about success being able to use your gift to help another. And on a very physical level, that's exactly what you did, right? It's like, hey, I have this yeah, gift. I don't fun. need it. And it is fun. It is really fun. What gets you up and fired up and what do you look forward to every day? I bet you don't really find anything being a grind, but what are you working on or wanting to do or hoping to do to improve people's lives right now? I think just connecting with people. I was at Whole Foods the other day and I was sitting down and I had a coffee and I was by myself. And I just look at people and I smile at people because I want to see how many people are receptive to, to letting the safe open, you know, the lock open. 
because you know that because I'm smiling and I'm sending all of this great happiness, right? Just because I am, because it's like a playground. I'm like a little girl in a sandbox, essentially. And this gentleman looks over at me and then he looks away and I'm still smiling and he looks over at me again and he looks away and then he walks closer, you know, slowly. He's like slowly walking closer to my table and he says, do I know you? And I just gave him this huge smile and I said, no, but would you like to? And he just, he just didn't know what to do with that because so many of us have closed ourselves down, whether it's not knowing your neighbor and, or, or coming up with some excuse why, why you don't connect, maybe because you're different or maybe because you have, you know, reasons for not connecting. But for every reason you have for not connecting, there's probably a hundred reasons for connecting with another person. And so that's, I think that's really my mission is you can't, I think it was, um, there was someone the other day who said, you know, if you're, you're, you're going to this seminar, you're going to all these seminars and you're trying to find this enlightenment and you're trying to find success and you're trying to find love and wealth and prosperity and health and all of these things. But why don't you just turn to your neighbor and, and say hello to them? Why don't you just turn to both neighbors, the one on the right and the one on your left, because you're probably going to get more out of that than you will this whole conference. I think it was Gary Vandershek that said that. That really hit me in my heart because I thought it's so true because that's where all opportunity is. We're in 2018 now. This isn't, this isn't like the old ages where you had to have this amazing resume and this college degree. You really have to connect with people, all people, all people, not to just get a job, but in order to be satisfied in your life. You have to connect with people because you can't satisfy any needs, wants, or desires unless you're connecting. And no one else can satisfy your needs, wants, or desires unless you're connecting. So it works both ways. It's actually this beautiful marriage that we have with everyone. You know, you happen to meet your mate neighbor and he's like, hey, this happened to me, actually. I have a brand new neighbor that moved in. And he said, hey, I have all these raspberries. Why don't you come over and pick them? I thought, oh my gosh, I just won the raspberry lottery. I can't believe it. And I went over and picked the raspberries and it was incredible. And every single one just literally tasted so amazing to me. And that's a different story, but I've been eating very clean for a very long time without eating a lot of sugar. And so the raspberries were amazing, but I had to go over and I was the only person that walked over and met my new neighbor and said, Hey, how are you? And I wound up meeting him at the most random time. I play hockey. And I got home from hockey at about 10, probably 10.30, 10.40 at night. And he happened to pull in at the same time as me. And I said, hey, I'm your neighbor, Tiffany, here I am. How are you? And we got to talking. And I thought that's, that's what it's all about, to be able to enjoy the company of others without shutting yourself down based on fear, based on insecurity or vulnerability or whatever it is that we use as an excuse to shut ourselves down, we can use a lot of excuses to open ourselves up as well. And that's where I'd like to be able to change the world one person at a time or one conversation at a time so that their experiences they walk away is, oh my gosh, something feels a lot better now because I opened up as opposed to a lot of people come up with the belief that I feel a lot worse because I opened up. I feel a lot worse because I experienced love and now I'm having this experience or, you know, I, people in my experience that I counsel that say, you know, now that I have this child, I feel worse. My experience is worse. My life is worse. My marriage is worse. And it's just a, it's just a kaleidoscope of the way that you look at the world or a frame of reference. And I, I was blessed or gifted with the ability to see the world differently. And so there are processes that you can use that are 
quantifiable, really, that can change the way that you see, that you are able to use your vision to see your experience and yourself and other people's experiences as well, because the way you view someone else's experience does have an impact on them. And it goes back to that mirror piece you were talking about. We all do that for one another, whether we verbalize it or not, our intentions or our thoughts about others, the energy that comes from that does have an impact whether it's recognized or not. I hate having to end our interview because you've just shared so much great stuff. But here's what I know. People are going to go, okay, where do I find this gal? I want to know more about her. So where would you want people to connect with you? You know, I'm, I'm a pretty easy person to find other than the fact that my name is spelled differently. It's T-I-F-A-N-E. My website is benefitsoflifecoaching.com, which is also very easy. You know, people are always surprised when they wind up sending me a message on Facebook or wherever it is that I do respond because I enjoy responding to people and I enjoy connecting. Like I just said, those those are the places really just track me down on Facebook or my website and send me an email because I, I love answering questions that people have. And I, I love hearing the stories and I have a real soft spot for people that had a vision for their life. And for some reason, the life didn't unfold in direct correspondence with that vision because I know what that feels like. And so to be able to help people kind of create the new vision that's even more exciting than that original one that you started at a very young age, that to me is the sweetest thing that we can possibly do on the planet is create new visions based on our life experiences because it has to change. It has to change. It's like a a great recipe that you keep altering as your taste buds change and as your family grows and expands. You just alter the recipe so that all the ingredients that you want and desire that fit perfectly on the palate of your own tongue, they all just explode right in front of you in your life. And That just makes me so happy just thinking about it. We will put links at the bottom of the show notes so that people can reach out and connect with you directly. I have really enjoyed listening to you and having you share your path and your wisdom. I feel like um, many of your viewpoints, you're speaking right from experience that I've shared differently, but similarly. And I love what, how you describe success because I don't think it gets any better than that. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for being with us today. And we will look forward to following you more in the future. Thank you, Sarah. Have a good weekend on a Tuesday. Every day, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so glad it's a Friday. Well, be well, Tiffany. (laughs) Thank you. So that's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.